This morning's message, never forget the Great Commission. Never forget the Great Commission. We have a duty under the Great Commission that Jesus Christ had given unto his disciples that spread a, a broad way, a broad swat across Christendom. And we protract this from Isaiah 58 chapter, the first to the third verse, and that great commission that was in Matthew 28, 19, 20. Uh, all of us that are Bible students and that know the word of God realize that Isaiah was commissioned in the book of Isaiah. I think it's the sixth chapter, the first chapter, where he commissioned Isaiah when Isaiah was before the Lord and the Lord had to cleanse him with charcoal, coal on his limb. And he said, Lord, here I am, send me. And when he sent Isaiah to proclaim the message of the gospel, <clears throat> Isaiah continued to do that for many a year faithfully, faithfully doing that. And toward the end of Isaiah's ministry from the 58 to the 66th chapter, we see here, where Isaiah <clears throat> was still doing what God had commissioned him to do in the duality of this prophecy is that it's a commission to the church to do today. We to do the work of evangelists and the preachers and teachers of God's word is to go ye therefore in all in all the world, making disciples. The key there is teaching though. The key there is teaching and I want to talk to you a few minutes here from that 58th chapter and focus on that teaching. He says, cry loud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight, that is superficially, they delight to know my ways as if they were in reality a nation that has done righteousness and has not abandoned and turned away from the ordinances of their God. They ask me of righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. They say, why have we fasted, they say, and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Hear this, O Israel, on the day of your fast, when you should be grieving for your sins, you find something you desire to do, and you force your hired servants to work instead of stopping all work as the law teaches. Here, the prophet is told to show the people their transgressions of their sins as to where they went wrong at, what's wrong in what they're doing or whatever, because... They were going to church, <laughs> read that first five or six chapters of Isaiah. They were tithing. They were giving up offerings. They was doing all these things, but the sincerity wasn't there. In fasting, the, the sincerity wasn't there. The word of God had no effect upon them. The word of God at that time. You know, you can do a lot of things for a lot of reasonings or whatever, but the world is smart. People are smarter than you think they are. 
And that, that part of their nature is their problem of being smart. They have to die to self, you know. They have to stop struggling. I was telling my son, he was saying the condition he was in and that he just couldn't pull. And I said, that's, that's, God got you right way he wants you. He has to break you. You have to find out. You remember we talked about brokenness? You have to get to the point that you can't do it anymore. That you're turning on unto God. That you're dependent upon God. You're dependent upon his word. You depended upon him working with you, working on you, working through you. We see here in the book of the Old Testament that God really hadn't given his people a heart to believe. They heard the word, but it was weak through the flesh, and, and the problem is the flesh, the problem is self. We have to die to self or whatever. The word, they knew the word, knew of the word, but it had no effect upon them. As I said, people are smart coming from Yates High, you know, three or four years old. My my daughter had put some stuff on my granddaughter's thumbs and fingers because she was starting to suck her thumb or whatever. And I want to get into the act, too, so when she's over to my house, uh, over to the house with her and my grandmother and thing, we said that. I said, well, darling... Told my wife, I said, I'm going to order some thumb stocks, stop, suck. Some stuff that you put on the thumbs, paint on the thumbs, and it's supposed to stop them from sucking their thumb because of the taste of it. But you know, as I said, children know, and she don't let me see, didn't let me see or whatever, but she, my wife seen or whatever, and she was sucking both thumbs. And she told her, I guess it's, she didn't want to tell me. It's like, you know, we don't tell God, but others see it. But like she told her mother, no effect. No effect. In other words, the stuff, they, the thumb stop suck that they put on her thumbs and things to stop her from doing it had no effect upon her. <laughs> None whatsoever. And that's, that's how the word of God is with people today as it was during Isaiah's day. It had no effect. It had no effect upon them. And Isaiah's commission, as we are commissioned, was the proclamation of the gospel. He says, cry aloud. In other words, preach this thing. Say it so they'll know it. They'll know what's going on. Proclaim the word. As he told Ezekiel, go Ezekiel and preach to these dry bones in the valley. Israel had become dry, dead bones, you know, like in the church today, as the Pharisees was, as we are today. We are religious people, but we're dead. We're dead in our sins and transgressions. And God has told his prophets to proclaim the word, a proclamation has to be made. Now, in that proclamation, we go back and read Isaiah, and we'll find out that even though he was preaching the word, God had their ears stopped up. The ears were stopped up, so they they couldn't understand, that they couldn't see, they couldn't hear the word of God. In other words, they were dry because they couldn't receive the life-giving spirit of God's word. As I said, the spirit hadn't been given or whatever. So he told Ezekiel, he says, go out and preach to these bones, Ezekiel. 
you go out and speak to them, and I'm going to put sinews upon those bones. I'm going to cause those bones to grow again. As Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, as Ezekiel went out and speak to those bones, they still didn't have life after speaking to the bones. They didn't have any life whatsoever or whatever. God says, now you prophesy unto the bones, and I'm going to send the wind. I'm going to send my spirit to blow up on these bones and give them life, and I'll put my spirit within them, and they'll live again. God puts his spirit within us, which causes us to live again, which gives us eternal life. But those that hear the word of God, those that come to be entertained by the word of God, told you like a lot of churches and things, the people go to the preacher and everything because, you know, I was raised in a Baptist church and I used to listen to a lot of sermons with my mother, that Jasper Williams and uh, C.L. Franklin and uh, it's a whole host of others. They really can preach and they really sound good. As the preachers today, it's entertaining. And that's what you see on television. A lot of the preachers are entertaining. They have one preacher called himself the clown preacher that tells jokes and keep the people in humor. You know, keep the people laughing and going on. A lot of people don't rise up or whatever to hear the word of God until the preacher goes to moaning and putting that in homily and the voice and everything, and they have a, a choice. They have a, a, a respect of preachers that they love to hear these people. And some of the preachers are very charismatic. They dress good, and, and, and as during the time of John the Baptist, Jesus said, what had you come to see? And the people was talking about the princes that lived in palaces and had the nice robes and the suits or whatever, whereas John, he had a linen girdle girded about him, and he was very, you know, kind of offensive to the people. He was very abrasive. So he was one that cried loud and spared not to. You see, nowadays the preachers, most of them tell you, they don't preach on sin. They're not offensive. They don't want to offend anyone. They've taken the sharp edge off of the gospel. They want to be entertained. They want to be told that they have favor with God, that they're God's special people or whatever. But they don't want to take that word and see that image of who they are. They don't want to see their wickedness, that their evilness. The Pharisees, the ones that was holier than thou, they wanted to stand out in front of the people. God told Ezekiel, he says, Ezekiel, but as for you, son of man, your people who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses say to one another and his brother, come now and hear what this message, the message that comes from the Lord. They come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they don't practice them. They don't do them. For with their mouths they express loving devotion, but their heart goes on after their own unlawful gain. Behold, you are to them like a love song by one who has a pleasant voice and plays well on a string instrument, just merely that it entertain them. For they hear your words, but they do, do not practice them. So when it comes to pass, as it most certainly will, then they will know without any doubt that they had a prophet among them and that the word had no effect upon them. That they heard these things, but they were not doers of the word. 
They didn't assimilate it. It was always to somebody else. Man, I wish he could have heard this. I wish my husband or my wife would have heard what the preacher said. And all the time, that word was meant for you. That word was hitting you, but you was impenetrable. You were the ones that I was reading an article this morning where the guy says that we're not sinners, that we're uh, God's children and that God sees us in the way God sees us. You're looking at a finished product when you start that kind of preaching about what God sees. Yeah, God doesn't see your sin, but it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you would look at the teachings of Jesus Christ up under there, it says... You're going to suffer many things. You're going to have to take up your bear, your cross and bear those burdens. Yes. There's going to be a lot that you go through. And see, that's what happens with the claimer of preaching and gospel singing and teaching. It gets you emotional and not thinking. And teaching sometimes is a dull, redundant process. Teaching is the key to that. Titus and all of those in the New Testament, you see where they admonish to teach those things which become sound doctrine. Teach and reprove and rebuke and correct. He tells us to study to show ourselves approved workers that need not be ashamed. And they loved that Apollos because Apollos did sound good and he was a better orator than a Paul or, or many others. What a Priscilla and Aquila looked at him and says, you know, this guy's a good preaching thing, but something is lacking. Something's wrong with Apollos. He, he could, man, that Apollos, he, you know, a lot of people think Apollos is the one who may have written the book of Hebrews, but he couldn't get into the canon of scripture. On the, they said Apollos was the one who written it. I, I think because of the first and third chapter, some of the words are saying it might have been somebody else who had written that, but it got in under the guise of Paul. But we know Paul didn't have a Hebrew audience. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. But Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla took him to the side, asked him, say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? All you Pharisees, all you people, the, 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 the churches in the book of Revelations, there's a lot of believers, you know, even the devils believe and tremble. Yeah. But you remember I told you the problem was lacking of the spirit. A lot of people to sit there and go to sleep on you. A lot of people that 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 some the word of God don't have an effect on them. They don't tremble at his word. See, if you're a broken person and tremble at the word of God, that, that's who God can dwell with. That's who his spirit can live with. Until you're broken and of a contrite heart, you know, that humbling effect to say, I can't do this. I have to let it be the Lord's battle. I, he has to do this. It has to be Christ in me, the hope of victory. And so Paulus told him to say, well, I was nobody. John's baptism. John baptized under repentance, and that's, that, that's, that's where the problem lies at. A lot of us don't hear preachers preaching about repent. Think about Elder Wade, he acts 2.38, when he says repent, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You know, repentance is necessary, and that's what God's word shows you, a turning away from self. Repentance is a turning away from self, a turning to God because 
That's the problem. You're not facing God. You're not following God. The people in the Old Testament wasn't following God. That's why it was written. It was written for our admonition, those of us who can see their mistakes and benefit for their mistakes. My second point, I'm not going to belabor that point of proclamation. We all see where the gospel, it says this gospel must be preached in all of the world and then shall the end come. A lot of people don't realize the end is coming, huh? Talking to my brother the other day, telling him that one of my brothers, when I tell him about the end of the world, he seems to kind of be befuddled or something. Well, if we're not preaching the end of the world, looking for the end of the world, as Jesus preached it, we're making the wrong proclamation. His disciple says, love not the world nor the things of the world because this world is passing away. If you will have a new earth and a new heaven, this has to be an old earth and an old world that's passed away. All of these ways has to be done away with. It has to be done away with. It has to have an effect. God's word has a have effect. And that's why it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As God's will being done, as we start to walk in God's will and the fruit of our lips giving him praise and we doing as God say do. There's going to be some something seen. There's going to be something done because God's word has an effect. Whether it's a drawing or a driving effect, it, it drew the Pharisees. But as it drew the Pharisees, it came to John's baptism. And John says, you vipers, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You see, they was buying fire insurance. They was coming, but... They hadn't changed their ways. They wasn't a changed people. It's so many people in the church and so many people in Christianity today. They've heard the proclamation of the word, but see the last half of that verse, it says, show the people their transgressions. You see, because we have so many false professors, they profess something that they don't really have. Pharisee in the book of Luke says, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Now, you remember that goes back to when the people say, I fast, but you hadn't noticed um, we're fasting, God. We're not getting the right results. We're fasting, but nothing's coming of it. Because God had says, I want smelling your fast. I want smelling your assembly, the offering up of incense. It's a horrible unto me, your loyal assemblies and all of this, and your Sabbaths and new moons away with it. I'm tired of it because it's just a facade. And that's all it is. You hadn't learned to be compassionate, all of the things of the law, to be merciful and be unjudgmental. None of these things are within you. You just are a wolf in sheep's clothing. You've robbed and killed my people. But all these things inside you like whited sepulchre. You're like dead men's bones. All of the hollering and the prayer John preached to you, but you wouldn't dance. And now some come and now you're dancing or whatever. But there's been no heart conviction. There's been no change. You hadn't been born again. As he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. As formalism. They have a form of religion, but they're denying the works thereof. He says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who had warned you to, to flee from the divine wrath of the judgment to come? Now, see, that, that covers a whole field. 
divine wrath. See, that's judgment covers both physical and spiritual. In other words, it's judging the inside man. That's from God. That's not from men. See, because from outside, men look at the Pharisees and they thought, man, there's something else. They praying and everything and they're looking at, that's what comes about, idolatry comes about. We're looking at others and looking up to others or whatever, and they just as a facade, their marriage is worse than your marriage. Their religious life is worse than your religious life. Those priests and fathers that are praying for the people or whatever, they can't get a prayer through because they're child molesters, they're abusers, they're sex addicts. They have problems themselves. We see where the other day the Pope had said that they would bless same-sex marriages. That's because of the masses, the majority of the way things are going. You can't flow with the current. You can't flow with what's popular. You have to go the narrow route. You can't go the broad route. The broad route is not selective, but that narrow route is very selective. You have to toe the line. You have to plumb God's line. Sooner or later, you're going to be judged by the words. You see, because Jesus, when he told his father, when he was praying for him in the 17th chapter, he said, I've given them thine word. Now, if I give you God's word, I've done my job. He told them, Ezekiel, you want them. You tell them, and if you want them, the blood is on their own heads. So if I tell you what the word of God, and you notice how much I belabor teaching you, I preach once a week maybe. But my preaching is several times, and I tell you, you need to study to show yourselves approved. Now, I'm parroting the word of God there because it tells you to study the word to show yourself approved. Don't miss Bible study and all that. That's forsaking the assembly together of yourselves. When you're missing Bible study, when you're missing a breaking down in a teaching of the word, that's where the problem lies at. That's why you're a false professor, because you know all of the dancing, and you can speak in tongues, and you can fast, and you can go on Ezekiel's fast. Oh, that's formalism. We can see outside of what you are, but what are you in on? How are you like on the inside? He says, so produce fruits that is consistent with repentance. That is, demonstrate new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sins. Do not presume to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. So our inheritance is assured. We're part of the church, and that that assures us a place. But not all that's in the church shall be saved. All of Israel shall not be saved. It's those that receive the circumcision, those that are born again. He said, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. He says, and the axe is already laid to the root of the tree. And every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is hewn down at the root of the tree. So the proclamation is there. And I thank y'all for listening at the proclamation. Ezekiel was thankful that the people listened to the proclamation. But did you know? That God normally didn't send a prophet unless there was something wrong. In the Old Testament, when the prophet came, the people are very scared because, oh, he's fit to condemn somebody. He's fit to bring judgment. He's fit to speak these things upon us. 
See, because the gap, the, the little gap that was there was that you didn't miss the instructions. You know, it required, I think, 10 men to have a synagogue, to form a synagogue. That's where the priest and the teaching was going. During the old days, you know, Job was the first book of the, the Old Testament. Genesis wasn't the first book. If Moses re, wrote Genesis, Moses was what? Uh, doing 400 years after the giving of the law. He, I mean, Moses gave the law. He was 400 years after Abraham because when God made the promise to Abraham that the law was there. So Job was way back at the beginning. They said that's the oldest book of the Bible. And we see that Job was a priest of his own home. That's how the New Testament has it, that the man should be the head of the home. And that's where same-sex marriage and all of these things, there's a breakdown because the man should be the head of every woman. Now, if you're a single woman, you should still be under your father's head. Read that in Corinthians now. He had put man, he had given man the dominion, and if we get back to where... God had said what God had said. See, Jesus always said that this wasn't so in the beginning. We have to get back to what God had said because as he told Satan, God had said this. See, J Satan questioned what God had said. That's why we have to know what God had said for ourselves, men and women. If your husband don't know what God had said, you, when you submit yourself, you submit yourself unto God, but you may have to leave your spouse. You may have to leave things because he can't make you get out of the will of God. That's why Peter asked Sapphira, uh, did they, is this the right tide? Is this right? Because she could have freed herself. She didn't have to tell the same lie her husband told. That's why one's going to be taken and one's left. In other words, the each person has to know God for themselves. I, my parents can't know God for me. God wants a relationship, a personal relationship with you. You're the temple of God. He wants to come in and dwell with you. He wants to live within you. A personal relationship with God, we should live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You need to get yourself to the point that you're not dependent upon the pastor. Call no man father. There's one in, that's your father, and that's God the Father. His Spirit is the one that's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. The church, the ministers of the church are gifts given unto the body of Christ to help to present you without a spot or a wrinkle. But you see, if you're self-centered, if you pleasure-seeking, if you are one of those persons that's arrogant or whatever, can't nobody tell you anything, that you're always right, well, you don't need the church. You don't need anybody. You, you don't need preaching. That's why you're going to be lost, because you're rejecting the truth. You're not being guided. We need one another. We are family. A family needs one another. You know, a lot of people talk about the church and this and the people in the church, but when they get into trouble, when they get into problem, do you go and call the people at the church? Are you too proud to, to ask the people at the church for help? You too proud to ask the pastor for help? Now you go to your family, you ask your people for help. So what God does is, he says, the man was the head. And 
Christ is the head of every man. So we need to keep that order. We need to stand in that order because God teaches the way he should be teaching that we should be teach and we should walk by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So not don't tell people what my pastor said, the teacher said. No, you said what God says. You you tell them what God says because you believe this in your in your heart. I only can confirm the word of God. When I speak the word of God, it's a confirmation of what God had said because he says where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be the God in the midst of them. So I'm just confirming what God had said. You actually believe this. You're not believing it because the pastor said it. You're believing it because it's the word of God, and God has made it alive and living to you, and you're willing to die for that. Yes. You're willing to die for that. But not formalism. You can start ratting and telling on one another. You can be like Adam and Eve. You can be pointing the blame at somebody else. You're not going to let that blame set slow. Surely up on your shoulders, as Jonah had to do, Jonah says, you know what? I'm the cause of the problem. I've been running from God. Throw me overboard. You're going to have to get in the deep water. You're going to have to be swallowed up by that fish. You're going to have to be broken. You're going to have to go down and see that you're the cause of the problem and that you are a sinner and that only God can save you and convert you and make you a child of God. Yes. So he says, show my people my sin, their sin. So that those priests, the teaching of the word of God. And I emphasize, don't forget about the great commission. Go ye into all the world, teaching them, making disciples. So teaching, I told you, is a process. Sometimes the teacher have to tell you over and over. You have to study that word. You have to meditate on that word. That word has to be assimilated into you. That's how you live. Man shall not live by bread alone. So physically your body is dragged around. You get the nutrition the nutrition from food. But the fasting that you're doing, you're not doing it to be seen of men or to be strengthened or uh, to do something or to be people. You say you fast for strife or for debate. You're fasting. You're mo- it's motivated by the wrong thing. You're fasting because you're dying to self. It's critical that I live unto God during the fast. I'm praying and meditating on God's word and thinking because I need to get stronger in him. I need to die to self daily. I need to start putting my self-centeredness behind. I need to start putting my self-pleasure behind. I need to stop living for myself and live for God. The life I live, I live for God. So when he says, show my people their sins, you look in your notes as I sent you your notes. Show my people the transgressions. What are transgressions? Transgressions is the sins against God. Yes. That's where the law came in at. The law sh- showed us the transgressions. You see, because as I was talking about Abraham and that 400 years later, the law entered. The reason the law entered was to show man that he was transgressing against God. God had given the Sabbath in the beginning. God had given all of these things, but he hadn't given you a heart to live for him. He hadn't given you that type of heart. And all that the, the, the law did was to show you your transgressions. It's a schoolmaster. It's to bring you to Jesus Christ. That's why David says against you and you only have I sinned because 
Sin is against God. It's a transgression against God which breaks your bond for eternal life. It breaks fellowship with God. That's why he says, show, people, show them their transgressions. Show them their sins. And see, that's what's wrong with you don't, when you don't go to church. Now, I tell you, the fivefold gift was given for the present you without a spot or a wrinkle. Paul said his job was to present you as a chaste virgin unto Christ. The example in the Old Testament of that was the angel of the Lord. If you remember, Moses said that he wouldn't go unless God went with him. Yes. Remember, Jesus had to leave us and, you know, and the disciples. He said, I have to go away because if I don't go away, the Spirit wouldn't come. You see, Jesus can't live physically inside of each and every one of us. The Spirit does that. The Spirit comes in his name. Jesus will be sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He tells us to sit there. He tells him, he says, sit there at my right hand till I make thine enemies thine footstool. So it's not by power and it's not by might. It's by his spirit. So there's nothing we can do. It's not the will of man, but it's the will of God that's working. That word transgressions to, to, to line my, alliterate my points here. I'm going to use the word picadillas, not piccadilly. I hope I'm pronouncing I tried to say it or pronounce it a couple of times, piccadillos, and it has a whole lot of different variations in there. That word is synonymous with transgressions, but it covers a broad spectrum in which the church falls under. See, because under there you might not talk about murder. You might not talk about adultery, but it's in there, though. <laughs> it's in there. It, it's the sins when that piccadilly, it covers the pharisaical sins. It covers your church people sinning. Exodus 23, 20-21, he says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Now beware of that angel and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Anybody that named the name of Christ, let him depart from iniquity and sin. That messenger of the covenant, we know that that angel of the Lord was Jesus Christ. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in Jesus' name. The Amplified says, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep and guard you on the way to bring you to the place I have prepared for you. That angel, that's the word of God. And you remember I told you, Jesus said he has given you his word. Yes. We look in the book of John where he was the word that was made flesh. That word that dwelt among us. Now that word is coming to live in and dwell in us. He's going to be a path, a light unto your path. He's going to be a lamp unto your feet. He's going to show you and guide you by the way. He says, be on your guard before him. Listen to and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him or provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Because why is the Holy Ghost coming, the Holy Spirit? To convince 
to convict the world of sin. You see, that's your consciousness. That's a new consciousness. That's that circumcision. He makes you aware, you know. You you once had a conscience where you can do all things, but now when you do something after he removes that guilt, after remission, the repentance, the removal of the guilt, it gives you a conscience that convicts you. You ever had to come out and apologize to your spouse? Or even to your children or somebody? That's your conscience that's convicting you. That small, still voice. You know, you were wrong for getting angry and hollering at them. You say, you know, I'm sorry. I lost my temper and I did this. But nowadays, men don't like to apologize. And that's what this new political part in the religious Christian nationalism, they don't like to apologize. They don't say you're sorry. You remember I was saying... Their way is right, and that's what it was during the time of judges. A man wage was right in his own eyesight. They never apologized. They never said he was wrong. That's a sign of weakness, whereas God says you need to humble yourself. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Yes, Confession is good for the soul. You've done somebody wrong, you've done them wrong. And that's what that angel, messenger of God is. That's what David had contrition. He said, you know, I've sinned. I've sinned before you repair the bones that you've broken. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God put his sin away, but he did kill the child. He did tell David the sword wouldn't leave his house. You see, with us, we, we want to be prosperous. We prosperity. We want to have perfect health and all of these things that this gospel doesn't necessarily preach. When he says, by his stripes you were healed, it's spiritual healing. Now, you may have physical healing. God does work miracles. God does reverse some things, but not all things. That's not a sign that you have weak faith just because you got debt. Just because something happened, some circumstance befell you, that doesn't mean that you're a weak Christian. Read the book of Job. All that has befallen Job, yet he didn't curse God. He said, shall we receive good and not bad at the hand of the Lord? Life happens to us. Don't let people come around and condemn you or convict you. They was convicting Job's children, saying, well, your children sin. And that's why God did this. But Job had offered up sacrifices for each one of his children. He says, perhaps they had sinned. So I said, don't never quit praying for your children. Don't never quit praying for your family and praying for people. If you're a priest and you're a child of God, God answers prayer. Don't let people tell you because you're you broken, you're poor, because you don't have a lack of faith and all that. Don't let people. See, that's people that don't know God for themselves. People that know God for themselves have learned to be content with such that they have. You like the widow. You can give your last two mites. That's all you have. But you can put that in there because you love giving to God. That, that's where your pleasure is. That's the sacrifice. You present your body as a living sacrifice. No matter what it costs me, I may not eat, I may not do this because I'm praying today that I have a breakthrough for my son. I'm praying a breakthrough for somebody else, a breakthrough for my cousin, a breakthrough for this person, over those people over in Gaza, the Phyllis, the Palestinians that Israel is so unmercifully bombing, unmercifully killing them. It's over 20,000 civilians have been killed unmercifully because that wicked Netanyahu wants to retaliate just because Hamas terrorism. That's terrorism what Hamas did. Hamas, 
They, that's terrorism. That was very wicked, and God will judge that. But you, you, you can't kill everybody because somebody did you wrong. God says, vengeance is mine. I shall repay. So we have to stop learning to try to pay people back. Let God pay people back. Blessed are those that mourn. You, you mourn. You, you be broken in heart. That's what God's looking at. So God sent his spirit, just like he sent the angel of the Lord in that day. He had sent his spirit to lead and guide us in all truth. That spirit shows us where we're doing wrong. You see, we know about the bigger sins. You wouldn't catch a Pharisee killing anyone. They were tied in mint and everything. But God said, but the weightier matters of the law you've overlooked. And the Holy Spirit says in the book of John, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. And the Amplifier says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into the truth, the full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, that is the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and because of this, I say that he, that is the Spirit, will take from what is mine and we will reveal it unto you. So you see what happens? Those people that are getting a proclamation of God's word, they're not learning the truth. It's not being revealed to them because they are not born again. They haven't repent. And you remember Peter promised, repent. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He told Nicodemus, now you must be born again. The, the spirits will guide you and lead you into all truth. So obedience is the key. Yes. You have to walk in the truth. His word is the truth. You have to walk in his word. Yes. That's going to require death to self. You have to walk in his word. So there's so much that... When you first go into Christianity, you can't receive. Peter couldn't receive it. Peter was there, and the book of Galatians says, Now I had to tell Peter right to his face, What you're doing, Peter, is wrong. You're dividing away among, you're dissimulating between the Jew and the Gentiles. You was eating with them before the people, the Jewish people from Jerusalem come. Now you're not eating with them. You separated. And I told Peter right to his face. So the crying loud and spare not is for leaders. That's why I say the leader has to be openly rebuked, openly told. And then the rest of them would see we're not taking this off of anyone. That no one gets a free pass into heaven. Every child that he receives, he chastens, he scourges. He's going to mark those that are his. In other words, you will be humble. You will be broken because that's the only way that his will is going to be done in your life is that thy will shall be done, not your will. Now, I tell you that word, peccadillas. In other words, your transgressions. Here's some transgressions, and you can look. A secular 
sources Merriam-Webster's dictionary under this word peccadillos, it would show you these transgressions with some of that mean. It's misconduct. In the House of Representatives, they throwed George Santos out. They voted him out. He was unethical. Some of the moral standards he kept, and there's a lot of Republicans still standing with him. But that, in other words, your character. And see, we're being made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, you can plead Christianity all you want to, but God looks at your character. The character of this guy parading around Colorado said he's not fit to be on the ballot. They probably overthrow that or whatever because we have unjust laws. That's part of what transgressions are. The laws don't matter anymore. You remember I told you breaking of the law. One of the things that God says in the word of God in the book of Romans and throughout the Bible, be subject to the ordinances of those in authority of the laws of man. See, but once you start going against your own constitution, once you go against it, you say the Bible of the United States is a nation of laws. Once you start letting those laws apply to some and don't apply to others, you have a problem. And that's why that whole world system, that government, you remember I told you, I have no more any confidence in the United States of America's government that God's government has to come in. The government of Jesus Christ, the governments of the world shall be on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. It's going to be only that one government. And that's the government of God. All other governments, there's no government in the world that, that's going to be like Jesus Christ. It's only one. There ain't no perfect government. There's no other perfect government. That's why God's going to throw them all out. One nation, one world under God, a new world. Hate crimes. Did you know that's transgressions? And you have so many hate crimes now. And you have so many hateful individuals with biases. Now, see... They they want to talk about people say, oh, daddy's saying that that's a hate crime. They hate, hate gays and hate. Yeah, it's a hate crime to hate gays. Just because some home, someone homosexual giving you reason to hate them. That's between them and God. Remember I told you the Pope said he was blessing same-sex marriages? I'm telling you what the word of God says. Now, when God comes in here and finds you inside the church like that, you will have to stand before God, not me, because I told you, your blood ain't on my hand. It's a many in the church that shouldn't be in the church. You don't have a right to cast anybody out of the church. When Paul says have no fellowship with that person, if a brother in the church be a fornicator or whatever he's doing, you want him, but you have no association with him. In other words, I don't run in close proximity with him. But I know what Jesus Christ says to love all men, to even love your enemy. So if that gay guy, your enemy, didn't Jesus Christ say, what did Jesus say? He says, love your enemy. Despitefully, whatever those do you, he says, feed those that mistreat you. So I have to go with what Jesus said. He didn't tell me to hate anybody. He said, you heard it says an eye for an eye on two for He said, but I say unto you, love those that despitefully mistreat you. So that's Vicodilus. That, that's part of what your transgression is. You're not loving all men. 
And that was a Cheetos commercial a while back or whatever with this Cheetos line in there. And he was loving to eat the Cheetos again or whatever. And the person asked him, he says, you eat all, did you eat all of the Cheetos? And he said, define all. Define all. All means all. He says, love all men. Don't try to pick around that. It's not all men that's in the church. It's not all men. All means all. God gave his only beloved son that we would be saved. Now, not all people will be saved, but that's the reason he gave his son. There won't be one that's saying, I did everything that Jesus said, and now I'm not being saved. No, you didn't read the fine print. Because Jesus in the fine print says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Hadn't I been telling you to read your Bible? Hadn't I been telling you to study the word? You have to walk in the word. He says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after me. So despite how bad you hate homosexuals, despite how bad you hate same-sex marriages, maybe if you let them sit in here long enough, that word will burn them. But it may be something wrong with you that you're not putting the fire up hot, hot enough. When he says cry out, don't let them get comfortable in that. Don't go saying God love all men. God hates sinners and hate the wicked and hate for doers. And he says fret not thyself because of evil doers. Now this is God's standards and this is what's wrong. I've showed you what's wrong. You know, sometimes parents fall into the trap that if you have taught your child all you can and did all you can, train up a child in the way he should go. You can't make him go in a certain direction. Now that's up to God. We can't change sheep into wolves and we can't change wolves into sheep. But we can preach God's word and walk in God's word and be example and not be hypocritical. And that's what Isaiah's problem was that he says that Israel was a nation, a hypocritical nation, a nation of wrongdoers. Because you following the wrong crowd on social media, you trying to please man. Breaches, breaches. Well, some way he says, stand in the breach. And you know what breaches? That's on the Piccadilly too. Breaches is not keeping a contract. To breach a contract and not abide by what you have promised faithfully even to another man. You know, that's the reason Nebuchadnezzar took Zedekiah away in bonds is because he told Nebuchadnezzar, you had promised, you had sworn by the Lord your God that you would do this. And the book of Proverbs says, if you vow, vow, you keep your vow. Yes. Don't be rash about your mouth. Don't make a vow and not keep that vow. So we pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those that trespass against us. Look at that list of debts. Debts is a picadellus. In other words, there are a lot of people in our past president has a way of owing people and not paying. The Bible tells us, oh, no man for anything. Don't go around not paying your bills. Don't go around making bills that you can't pay. Because you vowed to pay that person, repay what you vowed to pay. You run around there told, telling everybody, the Lord blessed me with a new car. The Lord blessed me with a house full of furniture. The Lord blessed me with this and that. But now that person is a devil because he's trying to collect his money. Now you can't pay for that house or that car. You can't pay for that that you vowed to pay for. 
that guy's on the hook. You remember the, the unjust steward had went around spending more than he had. But see, tithes and offerings pre teaches us to manage our money. It teaches us to manage our finances. That's not good character to go around writing bad checks and everything and doing all these things. And do I say that we do? He says, show my people my transgression. So we see that we all fall into that category of sinners. So if we start going to church and hear God's word showing us first, if we get that beam out of our own eyes. You see, because that stuff in our eyes, we can't see because not knowing it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. That we say, you know, I have a little fun. I might do this. But he says no sin will be entered in. And that's what the word of God does. It washes you and cleanses you from all sin. You will be without a spot or wrinkle. All those faults and all those things could be washed away. All of that rashness and anger and everything. Because if you practice walking in these things, if you do it from the heart, if you're faithful to God in this Faithful to yourself, a peccadill is a small mistake or fault that is not regarded as very bad or very serious. So you're saying my sin is not as bad as his sin. This is what he did, and I did this, so I'm not as bad as he is. But sin is sin. (laughs) Is that right? Right? By guiding us into all truth, where truth is the revelation of God found in and through Jesus Christ. That's what truth is, isn't it? That's the mystery of godliness is that it's in Christ. All of this was hidden in Christ, and he's going to reveal all truths unto you, and it's all in Christ. Our lives are in Christ. Eternal life is in Christ. It's all in him, in that testimony of Christ. The Spirit will bring you by the way. He's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. Those are the sons of God, led by the Spirit of God. Yes. Thus he said, quench not the Spirit. Yes. Well, I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do this. Uh, you get a, Paul says you twist the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You're listening and looking at some preachers, and this is what I was telling you I was reading this morning was from, uh, I don't want to call his name or whatever, but he was an online preacher, a teacher, whatever. I don't know if he's that goes to a church where sometimes other people preach or teach. Because like I say, it's bad to only listen to yourself to be the only voice you're listening to. Yes. <laughs> That's bad. That you are you're a leader in yourself and you're not submitting yourself. You remember I told you the husband is the head of the house? The husband is the head of the woman, and that's the way God made it? Go back and read Colossians and Ephesians. It tells us to submit ourselves to one another. Submission to one to another. The husband's body don't belong to him. It belongs to the wife. Sometimes you have to go back and ask your wife what to do on this situation. Sometimes she may be... The finance keeper. She may be better at finances. She might be better at managing some things. God had put it that way, and that's how the marriage is shaped. That doesn't make you any less of a man because he gave you as a helpmeet. He gave you you to her to you as a helpmeet. He didn't give her to you as a slave. He didn't give her to you as a lesser person than you. 
But there's an order with God, and God places order. If your house is without order, if both of y'all bucking to be the leader, you have a problem. So the woman, by submitting herself, and, and that's that's something that's very hard to do, to submit yourself to someone. But she submits herself unto the husband. Just like Jesus Christ. He's no less. He was the only begotten son of God. In other words, he was deity. But he laid that deity aside and to live a human life, to live a life as a man. A lot of people say he wasn't. No, he was a man. He wasn't God in that sense because he laid his deity aside. Let's get this straight. If he laid his deity aside, the son was given. So he had to live as a man. He hungered. He actually was hungry. It wouldn't be a test. It wouldn't be real if he did it as God. He did it as a man to show us we have to do this as a man. It's going to be times we're going to hunger just as he hunger. But he says his meat was the word of God. To do the will of God. So he submitted himself unto God. And the Holy Spirit that came in his name and said, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to look to glorify itself. And I remember I told you, I had evangelists in this church that always talk about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. Now, hold on. Now, you keep talking about the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost beating his own drum, it's something wrong with your Holy Ghost because the Holy, the, the Bible tells me that the Holy Ghost will be what? Given to proclaim the name of Jesus. He's going to come in Jesus' name. He's going to do this in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost doesn't come. The scripture tells us he has given him a name above every name. Yes. So don't let Jehovah Witnesses tell you that Jesus is a God. No, he's the living God. He's no less a God. That's the Godhead. That's part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's a family that's elm here. In the beginning, Elohim says, let us create man in our image, after our likeness. So what did he do? Each one of them had a job. God the Father sent God the Son. God the Son says, I'm going to send the Spirit in my name. But we will come and dwell within you. So let me, let me close this down. Let me not belabor this anymore. But don't forget about that great commission. He made part us as a part of that to help make man in our image to walk because we should be being made in the image and likeness of God. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Why did he choose Abraham? Because he knew that Abraham was going to teach his children to follow after the word of God. That's why he became the father of many nations. Abraham is the father of faith. Genesis 18, 17 through 19. And the Lord says, shall I keep secret from Abraham my friend and servant, what I'm about or what I'm going to do. Since Abraham is destined to become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have known, chosen, acknowledged him as my own, so that he may teach 
and command his children and the sons of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has promised. And that's all of his children being blessed by faith. And that's going to dwell in each of our hearts by faith. So we know what is right to do righteous, to do justice, and to love mercy. God writes that up on our hearts by faith, the love that God has for us. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you on this day.